Hey, what's up, everybody? DJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford Church. Great to have you with us today. We are wrapping up our series on the Sermon on the Mount. So whether you're from Parker Ford Church, you're a member here, or just coming across us online, we're really glad to have you with us. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount for something like 20 weeks. I went back and counted all the videos we made, and it's something like, I think this is the 20th week. So we, we've been doing the Sermon on the Mount for a long time, and we could have spent all year, we could have spent two years um, diving in. I feel like in some ways we've barely scratched the surface. Um, but I wanted to take a week, because it's been such a lengthy journey through the Sermon on the Mount, I wanted to take a week and just offer some of my reflections. I was uh, spending a few minutes yesterday evening just kind of recollecting what's really stood out to me in walking through the Sermon on the Mount together through uh, this teaching, some of the reading I've done. And so I'm not going to go into crazy depth, but I'm just going to offer a few things that have stood out to me through this journey. Let's pray um, before we get into today's reflections and just ask the Holy Spirit, the Lord, to lead us and to illuminate his word for us today. Would you pray with me? And Jesus, we thank you that you have given us this gift of your word and that you preserved through your Holy Spirit, through the disciples, through Matthew, you preserved this teaching and have handed it down generation to generation to the point where it's arrived to us today. Uh, 2,000 plus years later, we are still getting to read um, and meditate on these words that Jesus gave so long ago. And they continue to be as relevant to us today as they were in the moment that Jesus spoke them and first uttered them. That's amazing. That's amazing. There there are very, very few things that last that long, Um, but your word lasts forever, and we thank you for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So these are a few of my reflections on the Sermon on the Mount. I titled this series, A Path Forward, because... Um, for much of the series, it was leading up to the election. And I had sort of been in prayer and discernment around uh, what's a teaching that, can, that I can offer our church body and our community um, in the age of COVID, where we can't be together in the typical ways that we would be. Um, I had grand plans <laughs> coming into this year of the ways that we were going to uh, gather together as a body to pray as we approach the election and some of the teachings that I was going to do. And, and obviously with COVID, a lot of that got pushed off the table. And so as I was kind of thinking through and discerning um, what could be a helpful way for us to engage the word of God leading up to the election, um, I continued to feel drawn in my spirit and led by the Holy Spirit to the Sermon on the Mount. And so that was really the reason why um, we spent so much time. Now, obviously, the election is is past. Um, that was a while ago. Um, but it still um, has been such a relevant message for us in this season. So the reason I titled it A Path Forward was because I was looking to offer, through the Word of God, a gift to us as a community in, in showing that neither political party, uh, neither Biden nor Trump, uh, nor any other elected official, um, with all their grand promises that they were giving leading up to the election, all the things that they said they were going to do, n- neither of them could really offer us a truly different path. Um, a truly a truly different alternative way of living. Neither the Democrats nor Republicans can offer that. Um, and neither of them accurately represent the kingdom of God. Uh, maybe like me, you agree with some of their platforms on some issues, but, but no matter who you vote for, <laughs> you, 
you're voting for someone who, who doesn't fully represent the kingdom of God. Only, only Jesus as a leader represents that. And so his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount is an alternative path. It's a way forward for the people of God out of gridlock, out of the chaos, out of being stuck in our culture. Um, we're such a gridlocked culture right now. And Jesus offers us an alternative path forward. So um, just to recap how Jesus set up the sermon, um, in Matthew chapter 4, the first several chapters are the birth story and then the baptism of Jesus. And then in chapter 4, it says in verse 12, now when he heard, this is after Jesus was baptized, but really right at the very beginning of his public ministry. So in Matthew 4, verse 12, it says, Now when he heard that John, that's his cousin, John the Baptist, had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region, and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is Jesus' first public sermon. And it says, from then on, from that time forward, Jesus began to preach. This is his repeated sermon. It's how he starts his public ministry, and he carries it through the cross. Repent, turn, change directions, think differently, walk a different way. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is drawing near. It says, and he went through all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread. So he's baptized. His ministry begins. His first sermon is um, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You can touch it. It's drawing near. He goes through all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and doing miracles. And then he gathers at the end of Matthew chapter four, uh, 4, he calls the first disciples and he gathers them together. And then in Matthew chapter 5 begins the Sermon on the Mount. So baptism, beginning of public ministry, first sermon, the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus's ministry is going to be about the kingdom of God. It's going to be about the kingdom of heaven. And everything he teaches and everything he does is going to point and witness to the kingdom. And it says that his gospel message is a gospel of the kingdom. Isn't it interesting that he's preaching the gospel here before he dies? For many of us, we were taught a gospel message that was, uh, we're sinners, and we need to repent, and God has taken care of that. Um, We're not going to be punished in hell because Jesus has died on the cross. Now, that is certainly an essential part of the gospel message, but it's just a part. Jesus is already preaching the gospel before his death and resurrection because the good news that Jesus is preaching and the good news that he's proclaiming is that there is a kingdom, and the way that we step into the kingdom fully is through the cross, is through forgiveness, but the message itself of the 
the gospel is not just the cross, though that's an essential element. It's beyond that. It's more than that. It's all-encompassing kingdom narrative of Jesus Christ. It's a gospel of the kingdom. In other words, Jesus has given us an alternative kingdom he's invited us into. So seeing the crowds, this is the beginning of Matthew 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. He went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the first lines are already about the kingdom. Everything Jesus is about to say throughout the Sermon on the Mount is about what it's like to live in his kingdom. Jesus is setting up, in the Sermon on the Mount, what he is doing is he's setting up a new alternative kingdom. An alternative kingdom to the physical nation of Israel at that point. An alternative kingdom to the Roman Empire, which was dominating the Mediterranean throughout that age. He's setting up an alternative kingdom. It is a political reality that Jesus is setting up. Now, politics is uh, it gotten so confusing in our time, and it's hard for us to think of politics and its original meaning, but politics comes uh, from the Greek word pol- polis, which uh, means city. So uh, you'll notice in the Bible some of the some of the city names have polis at the end, like the Decapolis, the ten cities. So polis is the Greek word for city. So politics, in its most basic and original meaning, was simply the organization of a group of people in a polis. So what politics is at its foundation is the organization of a people who are doing life together. So Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, is describing what life is meant to be like in his polis, in his city, in his kingdom. So, uh, you know, some people have said that Jesus was not political. He absolutely is political. He's setting up a kingdom. He's setting up a city, and he invites us into his politics, which are absolutely different and alternative to the politics of this world. And the Sermon on the Mount is the invitation into his way of life. These are not idealistic idealistic pontifications. He's not just saying nice words. He was being serious. Throughout the, um, throughout the series of Path Forward, I referenced two books over and over again. And I want to give credit where credit is due. One is Dallas Willard's masterpiece, The Divine Conspiracy. It's a little bit of a challenging read, but if you're serious about studying the Sermon on the Mount and getting some new insights into it, as well as what it means to be a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus Christ, I can't recommend this book enough. Uh, It's all about the kingdom and all about living in the kingdom and what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount. The second resource that I referenced throughout this teaching series was Sky Jatani's small and very accessible book that just came out uh, this past year, What If Jesus Was Serious? And I love it because there's these short two-page chapters, easy to digest, but they carry depth and, and great richness. He wraps up his whole book, Skyjatani wraps up the whole book with this statement. Jesus is smart. Jesus is serious. Imagine how your life would be different if you took him at his word. And imagine how our world would be different if those who claim to follow Jesus actually did. What if you and I truly lived as the salt and light? What if we loved our enemies? What if we forgave as we have been forgiven? What if we sought the glory of God rather than the praise of men? What if we walked intimately every day with God as our Father? 
What if we stopped judging others while conveniently ignoring our own faults? What if we listened and obeyed the voice of God? And what if we built our lives on his example and teachings? What if we were like the man who built our lives on the rock and the house did not fall even though the storm came against it? What I want to encourage you as we wrap up this series is I'd like to invite you to read Matthew 4 through 7 in one sitting. Read chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7. It's only four chapters. It might take you 20 minutes maybe to read the whole thing, maybe 15 minutes or less if you're a fast reader. But take your time through it. Read these four chapters. Matthew has set up a line of thinking, a line of thought that's meant to flow. It's easy for us to chop up the verses like we've done in this series and have a sermon or a teaching about this verse or that verse or this phrase or that phrase. But it's really important for us to take a step back and have an eagle-eye view and read the whole thing in one setting. So as we wrap up our series, I'd encourage you to do that. And as you're doing it, ask yourself the question that Sky Jatani challenges us with. What if Jesus was being serious? What if this is actually how we're supposed to live? If you were to order your life around this teaching, what might change or need to change? And finally, how through this teaching might Jesus be offering you a path forward, a different way of living, a new way to be human, an alternative reality. I hope and pray this teaching has been a blessing to you. It's been a great joy for me to walk through this series, and I've gained insights in my own life and found some things that I can grow in and change, and I hope that you have done the same. Be blessed. Go with God.